Welcome back to You Got It, Dude, or as my boyfriend calls it, just the two of us. I'm Dina. <laughs> and I'm Whitney. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, Whitney, why don't you give the introduction? All right. He's six foot one. He's, I don't know how many pounds. He lives in my home. He is my boyfriend. I guess you live in our home. This is Ved. <laughs> Ved, say hello. Hi, this is Ved. <laughs> I was trying to give you like an NBA intro. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So Ved, unlike my significant other, has listened to the podcast and was gracious enough to sit through a movie to come on. Uh, I tried to tell Drew, this is not a Will Smith podcast. <laughs> but um, also my sister-in-law did not also not know the name. So my family is going strong. That's okay. I don't think that there are target audience. But... No, not. And I'd prefer they didn't listen. So Ved. Please let us know what your relationship with the Olsen twins were prior to this watch. Uh, my relationship is from Full House and growing up watching the Olsen twins on Full House and kind of being genuinely curious about their whole deal, so to speak. I should probably <laughs> come right out and say that I'm an immigrant. So when I moved to this country, sitcoms were kind of a new thing for me. And especially the laugh track on sitcoms was uh, a whole new, I don't know what concept for me. So I watched Full House like everybody else did. And I think seeing the Olsen twins, because they were kind of the stars, was my really main exposure to them. And maybe later on, I watched a couple of their quote unquote bigger hit movies. (laughs) (laughs) Why the quotes? I don't know. Wow, offensive. Because I'm not even sure if those were the bigger hits. I just think they were because (laughs) I saw them. So New York Minute and Holiday in the Sun. Oh, nice. Exposure, yeah. You even know the name. So there weren't any Bosnian sitcoms. There were Bosnian sitcoms. Oh, actually, sorry. I don't know if they were called sitcoms in the sense that they weren't funny at all. It was all very dramatic. (laughs) So more like... not More like soap operas, yeah. And then there was no no such thing as uh, like a laugh track where, you know, they would make a joke and then an audience would laugh. That was just, it, for us and for my whole family, we're all like puzzled. Where is this laughter mm. coming from? <laughs> So you kind of skipped over the Olsons, you know, when Full House ended, and then you went straight into their later work. So you missed a, a lot of uh, the movie we watched today, which we'll get into, kind of fits in your little blank spot of them, kind of when they were building their empire and becoming America's youngest self-made millionaires. Wow. Yeah. 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 We're happy to fill in the blank for you. <laughs> I know. I, I come in with the facts. I like it, yeah. So today we subjected Ved to probably one of the more famous concepts of films, maybe not one of the more famous films, which is Billboard Dad. Or as Dina's phone autocorrected at Billboard Sad. Yes, (laughs) which is very accurate. So I can get into the synopsis and then we can kind of get into it. So I write a little synopsis of the movie so that way we don't have to go into a minute-by-minute breakdown and we just get to get into the stuff we like. Perfect. Billboard Dad is the tale of Tess, Emily, and their grief-stricken father set on the backdrop of Wacky Venice. The twins are barely decipherable, both being good at water sports and having no conflict with each other whatsoever. Their father has barely been a parent since the death of the mother, and they spend way too much time with their father's snarky British agent, Nigel. The girls decide to set up their father the easiest way they can think of, painting a billboard on the Sunset Strip, and for some reason, instead of putting a phone number or an email or a PO box, they give their home address. 
Desperate women slide into the literal DMs to meet this zaddy. After a mishap of dates, dad falls for the friend of a woman he was supposed to go out with, shitty friend, who also happens to be the mom of the rebel trying to take the girl's spot on the diving team. Snarky agent tries to break up the relationship because he's scared all the art will change and starts producing fakes, so of course the twins expose him in public, and they all live happily ever after. Oh, and they win the swim meet, resulting in an affirming age-inappropriate crush. The end. Applause. Applause. <laughs> This was actually a shorter one to write than any of the others. That's surprising to me because when I was watching the movie, I was like, this is the most convoluted plot. I don't know how Dina's going to summarize this, but you did a great job of hitting all the highlights. Like, this is, I would say, significantly shorter than the 28-minute SeaWorld episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I will say, I don't think this one held up. I I feel like it's such a, a movie of its time. I don't necessarily think that it held up, but I do think that it had a lot of, you know, late 90s style. Oh, the style was great. The style was great. I would have loved to see, you know, the dad is such a sad sack, but somehow women are so into him. And Ved, Ved very accurately said that he looked like Beto O'Rourke. So I, <laughs> I really liked that assessment of this dad. <laughs> But I just think a better casting for the dad would have been Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because, like, no one does sad sack like Cameron. And, like, the dad's just not very charismatic. So I didn't understand that plot at all. That, like, all these women were, like, falling all over themselves. I said that, too. Do we think the dad should have been a more attractive actor? A hundred percent. I agree. I agree. I don't know why I agree. <laughs> I mean, I just think that it's unfair. Yet another example of the fact that men in Hollywood can be these sad, like Steve Buscemi side character types. And no woman, even even the side characters are allowed to make it in Hollywood unless they fulfill some kind of beauty standard. Yeah. And the fact that like when they paint the billboard, everyone, including the journalists, think that he did it himself. And they're all still into it. They're like, this is great. I mean, this guy's sad. He just he just needs a woman. One of my favorite lines from the movie is right before they go to paint the billboard. And the, the quote from one of the girls is, what dad needs to cheer him up is a woman. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. <laughs> I love that women are just, you know, a, a way to get from here to there. But I will say I liked the choice of making this in Venice, even though none of them really belonged in Venice. Do you think this was like before Venice became like nice? Yes, I think that this is 100% pre like cool Venice. But suffice it to say, in my mind, at least, the Olsen twins are the ones who like made it cool. I did love all of like the the camera angles and everything that was done intentionally to make Venice look like fun and not creepy. Because even now, when you go to the boardwalk there, like it's not fun. I mean, I think Ved, we were just there, what, like a year ago now. And we were on that Venice boardwalk. And I was like, I think I'd like to leave. I mean, there's just like a lot of unhoused populations. There's a lot of like weird street artists that are like leering at you. There's a lot of those like bodybuilder dudes that are creepy i don't know i didn't enjoy it but the the shots of venice looked really cool and like the rollerblading i have such a soft spot for venice because uh in like the summer of 1992 my family and i went to la and i was you know we went to venice boulevard and we walked up and down it and it was exactly that all the street performers and everything was out there and to me as like an 11 year old kid it was just incredible it was exactly like in the movies so as soon as i saw that opening scene and her rollerblading down venice boulevard i was like okay i'm into this <laughs> I, just, 
the setting has got me and it was the just setting alone <laughs> yes i was like this is it california <laughs> yeah that's actually really cute so this is a segment we do with whitney but i'd like to bring that into it of who played which twin Ooh. And this oh is even harder in this one because, like I said, they have like little to no difference in personality or skills. This is great. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. <laughs> Go for it, Beth. Just so you know, the characters' names are Tess and Emily. And okay. obviously, you know, you, the actresses are Mary-Kate and Ashley. I was about so. to ask. Thank you. Yeah. So who do you think played which character? Okay. So, I mean, Tess is obviously Ashley and the other one is Mary-Kate. Why do you say that? Uh, because I want to sound confident in taking a 50-50 guess. <laughs> and Whitney, what do you say? I say the exact opposite. I think Mary-Kate was Tess and uh, Ashley plays Emily. Whitney is right on this one. Oh. The way you can tell is because they always make Ashley the boy crazy one, and she mm. was the one obsessed with the swim instructor. Yep. And then, like, Mary-Kate's always left with this, like, asexual persona. And kind of like the sportier one, the, like, the edgier one, maybe. I don't know. She's, it's weird. Oh, Do you think Ashley, like, begged to have a surfer role, and that's why, like, because it clearly should have been that Tess was just better at all sports, but they didn't want to, like, repeat switching goals or something. Yeah, I agree. Wait, I, I have a question. So are you saying that that kind of holds true in the other movies as well? They kind of make Ashley the boy crazy one and the other one uh, more sporty? Yes, except for like maybe one that holds true in most of them. And then I guess later they kind of give Mary-Kate like a love interest too, but she never plays it as well as Ashley. And then Ashley's always good at school too. Yeah, she's like the standard issue, like prissy girl who's good at school who like never steps out of line and then mary kate is like the the rebel without a cause etc interesting they're new york minute characters that you saw like are their own archetypes huh interesting okay i think ved remembers new york minute accurately (laughs) yeah you know when you guys when you do your yearly rewatch of new york minute he's crying for some reason (laughs) yeah (laughs) at the end like biggest simple plan fan because of it (laughs) So a few stray thoughts from me. Mm-hmm. This is the first movie that we've had so far that's written by a woman. Oh, yes. She did like, I looked her up afterward and she did some like interesting show a la the first one. I also like that in the, because you know, I watched the credits way too closely. Of course. It said Andy Cohen and I was like, oh my God, but it's a different Andy Cohen. We did the Andy same Cohen. thing. <laughs> we did the exact same thing. We were like, Andy Cohen. And Ben was like, no way, it can't be. And I was like, I bet you anything it is. And then it was not, obviously. Oh, the writer went on to do Mad Men. I saw that too. That was so weird. I was like, that's, I mean, I guess you got to make it in Hollywood. So you might as well. I think that this was her second script. I just imagine like me as a writer, like sending out spec scripts for like Mary-Kate and Ashley movies. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably the only thing I could write. So, you know, <laughs> if we want to start making that our side project. You'd be so good at it. Uh, I also really loved that the bad kid, Ryan, who ends up being their dad's girlfriend's son, he has an eyebrow piercing and multiple ear piercings. 
And then every time he comes on the screen, they give him some like weird heavy metal slash like punk rock music. And then the other kid, Cody, he has like hip hop intro music. I don't know. This is such like, like, it's just such a weird thing where they're like yeah, focusing like, all of their energy on like these like cliches of these kids. And they like didn't want to, it's like they didn't believe that the audience could like relay the emotion of like how they should feel about them. Yeah. They're like, we just really need to lead a horse to water here. The Cody character. So do we feel bad that he clearly got friend zoned? I want to feel bad. Then how do you feel? Do you even understand the question? I kind of do. But then I guess, do you think there was an intentional choice because they knew all along, I guess he would become like, well, theoretically their stepbrother or something, right? Am I? No. Oh my God. I got the wrong kids. I got the kids mixed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah so this, is, this is the hip hop kid, Ved, who ends up of doing course. all of the voiceovers for the, the diving competition. Yes. Yes. Now I remember. Of course. No, that was that was brutal. They didn't even give him a chance. I don't even know if he was so much friend zoned as if he wasn't even given a chance to begin with to even be, <laughs> to even be friend zoned. You know, it, it seemed like he was almost like a nuisance to him, even though he was offering them free no doubt tickets. Yeah, yeah, they like used and abused him. That's so mean. I agree. And how do you grow up in Venice, California? You're like, sorry, we can't go to a concert. Like your children are just wandering the boardwalk at all hours and you don't give a shit. Uh, yeah. They have enough time to go to the Chateau Marmont, which they try and make a scene close. But what is that? Like a 30 minute drive? That's what I was thinking too. From Venice to Chateau Marmont. First of all, this is one of like the busier intersections in all of Los Angeles or the busier streets. And somehow they were able to, it appeared to be like 9pm. I don't even know what time it was. They were able to like scale it and construct this entire sign and just like on this busiest route of all of Hollywood. Yeah. When Ved was talking about the other guy, the punk guy, was that supposed to be a love interest for Ashley? Or was her love interest always just gonna be the swim instructor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that this kind of gets us into the next point. But suffice it to say, I think that intentionally they tried to like not have these real love interests except for this like fake one that she was she had made up in her mind. So this like 18 year old swim coach, Brad, it continues, by the way, their like older man obsession, which I'm already very uncomfortable with. Oh, he's older than that because he's like on the USC swim team, like was captain or something. Oh, yeah, you're right. So he's like 22. So, Ved, after this is kind of your first venture into this, how did you feel? And this is actually less grown men than they're usually surrounded with. But how did you feel about these young teenage girls, like, clearly always with a either the agent or this, like, swim instructor that gave that was clearly grooming Mary Kate? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, offering the benefit of the doubt to whoever say the movie makers you know you kind of want to say giving the benefit of the doubt to men i know i know it's like oh it's you know oh it's cute you know like a younger girl has like a crush or something but now that i'm older and you kind of look watch a movie again and it just seems you know they're walking a real fine weird line i'll leave it at that because there isn't any other, like you guys said, love interest for them there that's of their own age. And then they're, you know, fascinated by this lifeguard who's shirtless most of the movie and he is a grown man. So, you know, it it, it wanders off into some uh, dark territory. Yeah. Without getting too deep into this, there are 
multiple scenes where they're sitting by the pool in their bathing suits and getting sprayed down with water. And then there's a particularly disturbing scene where (laughs) one of them gets out of the pool and goes up to her sister and she asks her to put sunscreen on her. So she picks up the sunscreen bottle and the, the force with which the sunscreen leaves the bottle, it like travels across the camera in such a way that was just reminiscent of some adult videos. And I just... The fact that that was somehow inserted into the movie when it had like no effect on the story, I found it to be a little of a weird signal and a little of a weird uh, moment in the movie. Right. No, just the fact too that I guess, you know, they're on the dive team. So a good chunk of the movie is shot at a pool. You know, theoretically, uh, their mom was a ballerina in the movie. So presumably they could have just maybe been dancers or anything else really. But it is interesting that, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes of the movie takes place, if not more, um, at a pool. That is interesting. I didn't even think of that, that they really could have chosen any other sport. Right. Any sport. They could have been on a skate team. Absolutely. They could have been surfers. They were were kind of doing that. They would be wearing a full rash guard or whatever. So uh, instead, you know, it's at a pool and the the climax of the movie is at the pool or the end scene, I guess, and a lot of scenes. Yeah. Thank you for not using the word climax. Oh, yeah. It's not like they were talented divers. Like we didn't like we barely got a scene where they used a double. I know. We barely saw any dives. And I did like how they went out of their way to be like, well, mom was a dancer. So and then I thought that they were like, we're going to be dancers. But instead, they're like, mom was a dancer. So we did the next closest thing, which is diving. Yeah. <laughs> not gymnastics, not anything except for something like diving. Right. So I know. So there's a new show on FX. I'm watching mm-hmm. it on Hulu called A Teacher. <laughs> Have you guys oh, yeah. seen that? No, but we almost watched the original movie that it was based off of. Um, and my mom says that it's pretty good. But is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like Kate Mara plays the teacher and she's basically just like a robot. And uh, Drew came home and he was like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, it's a show about how a teacher grooms a young student. And this is after I watched too much SVU. And he was like, Jesus Christ, like, what is going (laughs) on? What's wrong with you? Oh, my God, (laughs) Drew. So this dad, sad dad, Uh that should have been recast, like, we talk about how bad the parents are in every episode, but this one is particularly bad. Like, he just literally will never spend time with his kids to where yeah. the local restaurateur feels bad for them and is just impressed to, like, see him. He doesn't notice when they go to Chateau Marmont, and then he starts dating a woman and has to apologize for not spending any time with them then. This guy makes no sense. I guess that we could just attribute it to him being an artist because... You know, I imagine that every child of an artist has the same sort of complaint about their parent. But in this particular case, I just, I mean, honestly, that he wasn't a good dad didn't bother me as much as they were trying to pass him off as some kind of like appealing guy for the ladies like the the first witch, rich woman who comes along is like so into him and then he gets all of this fan mail off of like i guess given it's a nice picture but like a nice picture on a billboard yeah and the woman is just like was so excited to hear that his wife had died <laughs> she was way too excited oh widowed <laughs> okay that was great i love that part where she like wants to buy this like ballerina statue that the dad made for the mom and the twins just go up to her and give their entire life story and there's their parents entire dating courtship that's what we call exposition <laughs> it was so <laughs> creepy though it was super inappropriate and i just love that the woman was not willing to give up at all 
even after he kind of seemed like he wasn't very into her. I was kind of hoping that like, okay, they introduced that woman in the beginning. I kind of hoped that she would, you know, come back in the picture playing some villain of sorts, you know, but then she kind of fizzled out because I thought they were introducing her for a purpose like that. Like she was going to be the, you know, Wicked Witch or something like that. I thought so too. And then nothing more from her. I was like, what a great intro for this character. And then they kind of, you know, let me down. I'll say that. It's almost like movies like this have like half of like the intricate plot set up that like a full budget mainstream movie would have. Yeah, like same with Switching Goals. I was really surprised at what or even Double Double of like what happened halfway through. Like at halfway through, he's met the like singular love interest. And I thought that was going to be the majority of the movie. I know, I know. And it's like the whole concept of the movie is him finding love. And we hit that halfway through. I really love the way that they speed up that like middle section where like they essentially just had like a three minute montage of like him having bad dates. And then they were like, okay, well now let's introduce him to like a good date. You know, (laughs) like it's the fact that they just didn't even like linger on it. They're like, just suffice it to say he got like trash bags full of fan mail. He went out on a bunch of bad dates. He almost gave up. And then he met this like love of his life. First, he chose her friend. Wow, yeah. Who said high schools were the best years of my life, which I thought was a weird message to send to young kids. Definitely. And then she was like, I guess I'll give it off to my friend. And as for the montage of the bad dates, it was, you know, I I get it. They showed, you know, them at the dinner and everything else, you know, going uh, hysterically wrong. But then for later on, the montage of, I guess, his love interest and the good dates. And I put that in quotes because all that montage shows us is them returning from presumably a good date to her front door. So part of me was like, why couldn't they have done like a montage that was, you know, <laughs> of them doing various activities during their date? <laughs> like it was <laughs> just such them, a good point. It was just them walking from the car to their front door. And I was like, did you guys even have a good day? And then he's dancing in the next scene. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess that was a phenomenal day. I wrote down many handshake dates. Right. I guess that that was supposed to show that they're taking things slow. But at the same time, like that said, I just don't get why they couldn't have shown them like having fun. They're not exactly like setting them up to be like passionate lovers or anything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like just show them maybe, I don't know, one time they're paintballing, then they're like go-karting and then they're, you know, walking to her front door or whatever. It doesn't have to be hot and heavy, but it was just so funny. They're just constantly walking from the car at the conclusion of some date to her front door. I would I would love to hear more about your guys' courtship, the fact that Ved thinks paintballing. <laughs> We were basically like Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles and something yeah. I hate about you. Yes. Just outdoor paintballing, just having the time of our lives, kissing through our goggles, that sort of thing. Right. So I was just going to say for the other like dates or like the bad dates, quote unquote, like one was like anti-body positivity, like body hair. Like yeah. everything was fine except that she had underarm hair. I know. And then one was like anti-Muslim. It was super anti-Muslim. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And I was just like, oh my God. Like, yeah, I, right. it was awful. So I have a question for both of you, which is to be taken as you would like to take it. But have either of you ever had any like over the top insane bad dates? You know I have. I know you have. That's why <laughs> I figured that this is a softball for Dina. Yeah, you go first, Dina. Oh man, where do I begin? Um, there's the one where we went mini golfing and then he like, took me to ice cream in a store afterward and then like the date just wouldn't end and I was just like kept being like when is he gonna take me home and he picked me up at two and dropped me off I think at like 
eight or nine and we didn't eat. Oh my God. And then like it just kept going and I just wanted to be like, I just like, it was fine, but I just want to go home. And then he kept, he was like asking me when we were going to go out again. And then this is the part Whitney knows where he he had won me a bear and he sent me a picture of the bear in the microwave saying the bear was going to get it if I didn't go out with him oh, wow. again. That's quite the threat. I, I remember when that date happened and I remember Dina telling me about it immediately afterwards and it was terrifying i felt i felt like i don't know i felt like she should move join the witness protection program and whitney knew the guy too i did yeah so we didn't expect it it was really bad one time i i was the bad date i can tell that story please do my friend had set me up and i did not want to go out with this person but she tricked him into getting my phone number like we were supposed to ride to meet like a bunch of people were supposed to ride to meet them at the beach and um, it didn't end up happening. But then it resulted in this guy getting my number and he kept saying he wanted to take me out. And like I was like 20 and didn't know how to just say no. And so I was like, well, I'm going to make myself the worst date ever. And so I had him pick me up at a tattoo parlor because my oh friend my was gosh. getting a tattoo that day. And then he said, I thought we'd go to the arc light because he knew we were both into movies. And I was like, oh, well, I actually have like work pretty early the next day. I had work at like 7 a.m. So like I'd, I'd rather not go that far. And because that's, that's like an hour from where we live. Yeah. And he was like, just kept driving. Like that was the one plan he had. And like he just had to keep going with it. And then he was like, we should go to um, Amoeba, Amoeba Records. And I was like, I, I don't really like music. Oh my which- gosh, <laughs> you're such an asshole. I know, but it's true. But it's also an asshole. And so then he just like kept going to Amoeba because like literally he had no other. I like, I oh, sent no. like 60 text messages during this date and like took two phone calls. Dina. He ended up being like a real weirdo and like would text me at like three in the morning and be like, the moon, the moon, look at the moon. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Well, so like I, would, I felt fair in it. Like I feel okay. like I made the right decision. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I just like that uh, instead of saying no, Dina really took a page out of like the Mary Kay and Ashley playbook. It's like, I <laughs> yeah. got it. I'm going to have a pick me up at a tattoo parlor. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely true. That's that's classic. So my worst date, and I even just recalling this story still makes me mad to this day, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's so particular. So I went on a date with a girl and we went to see the movie Up. And I love the movie. Love it. But I still can't enjoy it fully because it brings back this like post-traumatic stress of this date. Oh my gosh. So we're at this movie and you know, the movie starts and during that montage, you know, that 10 minute montage, it's like incredible in up. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. (gasps) Dina. Watch. Yeah. Watch it. Anyhow. I won't see movies that I know will make me cry. Yeah, I was going to say, no, you know what it is that this is going to d- give Dina that same feeling that she gets when she like looks up at space. Oh. It's not going to give her a good feeling. So don't okay. do it. I can't I'll, do don't it. See, yeah. But either way, it's it's a phenomenal movie. And this uh, person just would not stop talking very loudly throughout the whole movie. Oh like it was incredible turning to me and asking me questions in the middle of this like very quiet montage. And she had, it was like very loud. She wasn't even fucking whispering. I'm sorry for swearing. That's how mad I get thinking about it. No, it's okay. We allow it. Yeah. And I was just like, what are you doing? And it was for the whole movie and it was pretty crowded theater. So it wasn't like it went unnoticed and that was it. Then we kind of walked out of there and I was just, 
you know, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what are you doing? It was non nonstop. How much longer did you date her after this time? And did you make out with her? That was the only date. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I was one on one date. She was a uh, sister of one of my friends, no less. Oh my gosh. And then I just basically was like, I, I can't go through that again. And I think I dropped her off after the movie. We're supposed to maybe go out to dinner or something afterwards too. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, know. I was like, I love that. Nobody ruins Pixar for me. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no one. That is the final straw. Yeah. Um, I actually used to have a blog that was about all my terrible dates. Oh yeah. I forgot oh, wow. about that. You should revive it, but it's all Drew. <laughs> Yeah. It's all the bad ones he's taken me on over eight years. Yeah. I, I once similarly, I had a bad date and I don't have to get into the whole thing with during the Incredibles and I literally can't watch that movie. Oh, wow. That's awful. I had a bad date. I would say the worst one that I ever had. I was trying to think through this and then I realized it's so obvious. Ved um, knows of this because this was right before I met him, but I was in American Samoa and I was dating this guy for not that long. To be clear, she lived in American Samoa. Right, right, right. <laughs> I lived in American Samoa, as did Ved. I think that I mentioned this on a previous episode, but um, so I used to live in American Samoa for a couple years around 2012, 2013, and I was dating a guy and he was nice enough. He was kind of like a frat guy whatever but there were there were slim pickings on the island i mean you guys found were, each other but i mean yeah i was the best of the slim pickings yeah exactly <laughs> and and now here we are eight years later no so so we're hanging out and then he's like you know it'd be super romantic let's go to the the beach and so there's this like little slim patch of a beach right by his house and we're hanging out on this like wall that's like like a seawall. And then he's like, you know, it'd be super romantic. And he kept like just like upping it, thinking that he was being super romantic, but he wasn't being. And he was like, we should just like dive into the water right now. Just like skinny dip, like whatever. Let's just like take off our clothes and dive into the water. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It's like 10, 10, 11 p.m. The waves are like crashing. Like this is not like some like lagoon where the waves are like still. It's like crashing against the rocks. And he's like, no, 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 come on. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And against my stupid better judgment, I was I was like okay let's go in the water and immediately I get like knocked down by a wave and I'm like on the beach on the rock like struggling to stand up I almost stand up again and I just get knocked down again and so I'm like no I think I'm done like I don't want to do this anymore so I like get up I go out I'm like sitting on the rock wall again and then a couple minutes later he was like still frolicking around in the beach he comes and sits next to me on the wall and all of a sudden we're like ch- chatting for a couple minutes and I was like I never want to do that again I was already really upset and then all of a sudden we both feel this like stinging sensation it was actually more like a just like a warm sensation like I felt like I was having a heart attack across my chest and up my arm and it turned out that we had both been stung by man wars and Ooh. he yeah and he started to have like a fit like a like he was allergic to it or something so he started to like not be able to breathe and I was like uh it's okay the hospital's like 45 minutes away I was like like he just like had to go like take a shower and try to like calm himself down and take some Benadryl because he was like totally having like a, like a shock oh, man. it was terrifying <laughs> I like that like mine and beds are like about how terrible people were including myself and yours was just like a stingray happened like nature intervened in yours first of all it was a man of war second of all it was the the bad part of the date was that this guy was trying to be so romantic that he like got us into like the worst possible situation i was like we could have just sat there and talked yeah but no he wanted to like recreate like a teen soap opera like literally playing in the waves yeah it actually sounded like really incredible all up until the a jellyfish <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. What I'm saying is, Ved, you don't take me on enough crashing wave dates. Right. Ved took me on a lovely tour of Hawaii when I was there. Oh, so. when I had a migraine? Oh, yeah. no. What a day. So Ved and I have been on a great beach date is what I'm saying. That's true. It was like <laughs> the bay. It, it was a still bay, yeah. And we saw that hang glider oh, that's that right. almost died. Um, um, I have a second question mm-hmm. part two of my bad date question so then that was the bad dates but then have you ever danced around the room holding a rose after a date and ved you better say yes yes <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that i'm trying to think if like i've ever like had that like euphoric post date feeling i know like i feel like i was just such an anxious mess every time I mean, obviously, like, it worked out with Drew, and, like, I guess our first date was good, but we we went to, like, a concert, and we couldn't hear. But other than that, I mean, I had a lot of material for that blog. Not a lot went well. I know. I know. The only time that I can remember feeling that, like, kind of euphoria was after one of our first dates. Ved had, like, had a little too much to drink, and we were just, like, hanging out on the couch, and then I offered to let him sleep on an air mattress in the other room, and I was, like, so excited to, like, wake up in the next, the next morning to, like, to his face and hang out and have coffee and all that kind of stuff, and then he was sleeping in the other room on an air mattress, and I guess I was babysitting kittens, right? And then they, like, started to, like, jump on your face, (laughs) so then he had to, like, leave, like, he had to leave at, like, five in the morning, and I, like, roll over in bed, I, like, wake up, like, however many hours later, I, like, roll over in bed and I like I'm like oh it's like he's next door I'm so excited and then I check my phone and it's like him being like uh I had to leave because of the kittens but then it ended with like p.s you rock and I remember being like (laughs) have I been friend zoned a la Cody in a movie because I've never been told p.s you rock until that day and you know what you did rock right thank you one of the kittens I mean very both kittens were very cute but one of them did have only one eye And when you're kind of browning out and drunk and trying to fall asleep, and then that kitten comes up like point blank to your face, and I was just kind of (laughs) staring at this kitten, and I was just, it was a little, I don't know, I was on your floor, and uh, it was just kind of like, I was like, I I think I should probably find a bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And it was just like, you know, I didn't want to like knock on your door and then wake you up and say, hey. I'm taking off. But then yeah, also when I left, I didn't want to seem like, oh, you know, hey, this guy left. What a jerk. So then I thought, well, the best way to solve this is just PS you rock. <laughs> That's That was kind of my <laughs> like, like, yeah. just kind of, hey, it has nothing to do with you. You obviously rock. But uh, just the situation was not super comfortable. And it was really hot, right? It was like humid and hot and I'm drunk. Yeah, it was. And a one-eyed kid is staring at me and- <laughs> I get it. I just, I was like, this must be some kind of like Chicago thing. I've no, no guy in California that I've ever dated told me PSU rock. So I was just like, that's, that's just, you know, that's the name of our movie. If they ever make a movie about our romance, it's PSU rock. Right. Oh, that's that's pretty good. Thank you. Should we get into the villain of it all? Nigel? Let's get into it. So I wrote my first note about Nigel was, are we supposed to like him or not? I didn't get it at first. I felt like he was, they made him terrible from the start so that you could kind of tell. They made Mm -hmm. his British accent very like faux British. But I also wrote that I think that Nigel is just like a story about trying to make it in Hollywood in any way that you know how, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's deep. Thank you. Like Nigel is the Hollywood archetype of, you know, fraudulent behavior. Yeah. And of those kind of like hangers on. 
Yeah. Those people who just kind of like are around. Like I imagine all of like Lindsay Lohan's friends are exactly like Nigel. They're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Lindsay, like, you know, let's make sure that she's sort of like a train wreck, but that she's like, you know, super famous in Hollywood. So, you know, they're willing to do whatever it takes, including sell out the dad and make some, uh, some fakes. Yeah, like, I really loved how every time he went to his, like, distributor of fake artwork, he just, like, revealed his entire plan. (laughs) Yet again, exhibition. (laughs) They could have just, like, had them find, like, paperwork or something, but they're like, no, we need them to see it and hide in the worst way possible. It's so insane. I also really liked, I don't know if we're skipping ahead here, but I really loved that they ratted out Nigel in the middle of a party in like music form, as if it's like a remix of ratting out Nigel. Yeah. I thought they could have just done it in front of the dad. Like me, I was worried about like, well, is this going to ruin the dad's art sales? Like, is everybody going to think that the dad like is a fraud too? That's basically what we were trying, we were saying too, but I guess the dad had sort of like, they were trying to tell the dad he wasn't like paying attention. So then they were like, okay, well, I guess we have to remix the, uh, the ratting of Nigel out. Well, I guess, I mean, they did, that was the, the only logical next step. Same with the billboard. Of course. There's only one thing to do. I mean, this is basically like Dina's logic as far as she can't just say no to a date. She just has to make it the worst date possible. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I have since been to a couple of events with that guy. Like we went to that that couple's wedding together. And then one time we were at this bar uh, in Claremont called The Press, just so Whitney knows. And Ved's been there too. The the tables are very close together. And he was at the next table over and all of our friends were talking to each other and he would not acknowledge me. And I was like, fair. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, it happens, you know. Let me see. I love this scrambled egg scene. I don't eat eggs, but I assume that's how I would make scrambled eggs. That was the only thing I really remembered from watching this. This was, I had seen this before, but this wasn't one of my core Olsen films. Yeah, me neither. This was kind of one that I remember watching when it first came out, but not one that I remember, you know, watching a lot. Yeah, Yeah. at all, really. It wasn't one of the, the main standbys. Did you like the Pretty Little Liars cameo? Uh, yes, I did. Although I didn't notice it at first. Well, this kind of gets to my my sort of like Olsen news at the end. But mm. since we're talking about the Pretty Little Liars connection, I just wanted to get into this is my segment called Current Olsen Gossip. We need a theme song. Theme song to come, but I'm sure I can find one. So there is two Pretty Little Liars connections that I saw this week. The first is that Troyan Belisario of Pretty Little Liars fame is in the movie. She has like zero lines. She just kind of like is there for reactions. And she was quoted in all of these articles as saying that she grew up across the street from the twins and was, quote, best friends with them, which I was like, do we believe that from her? I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. And she's older than them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's super weird. But she said that basically she saw the way that they were treated and she was like, oh, these girls aren't like other little girls. And it's like, well, no shit. You would see them on Full House, you know? Like, yeah. obviously, they're not like other little girls. The other Pretty Little Liars connection is that there was an article written by our girl, Rachel Handler, who wrote the- So good. Yeah, the rankings of Olsen twin movies as far as their surrealness. Um, and it was an article where she was predicting that Mary-Kate is going to date Cara Delevingne, <gasps> you know, the, the model Cara oh, Delevingne. Wow. 
Right. So that's what she's predicting because I guess that they were linked through Kara's ex is Ashley Benson, also from Pretty Little Liars, who loves the Olsen twins. So last year, Kara Delevingne got that got Ashley a movie of them saying happy birthday. And I'll insert it here. But I just want to do um, a quick impression of it for you because it's incredible. They're like flat affect is on full display. They're like, happy birthday. Day, Ashley. I hope your birthday is super magical and that this is your best year yet. Can't wait to meet you soon. Bye. Like it's incredible. I'm going to insert it. Happy birthday, Ashley. I hope this year is one of the best ones yet. We're sending super you lots magical of love. and can't wait to meet you soon. Bye. Bye. I wish that the Olsen twins were on Cameo so that I could get a message like that. They would be so expensive, I imagine. Worth every penny. You think they would still be really expensive? They would, right? Because... 100%. Wow. Yeah, because to give you modern Olsen news, um, they, like, the Oscars of fashion or whatever, the CFDA, they've basically, like, won one award every year for, like, the last, like, I don't know, five years or something like that. Like, they're still very big in the fashion community, oh, even wow. though they just released a line at Kohl's. Wow. And then they're also super, super, um, like, if you look up Olsen Twin News... This is basically why I do this segment, because when you look up Olsen Twin News, there's news pieces about them virtually every week, even though you won't ever see like them in movies or them really like in on any talk shows or anything. There are still like people just want to know what they're up to. Wow. It's weird. Which is why we have this podcast also. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to capitalize on their fame. <laughs> they made like a they made a very interesting transition, you know, considering uh, for majority of uh, kids stars, it really doesn't work out. But for them, it's like they went, you know, in a, in a different direction and it's still working out. It's so insane that they're able to like make all of that happen, especially considering I could see be, like having a line in JCPenney. I can see like, you know, Walmart, whatever else that they've done. But to have a line that's now like so award winning, it's really incredible to see. Yeah, they have like a, forget, it's either ten dollars or $20,000 crocodile backpack that won like every award so stupid but you know to each their own <laughs> yeah but suffice it to say that we could tell that the olsen twins were headed for greatness fashion wise in this movie oh wow yeah so if we could just transition into our, our fashion review the amount of john lennon s sunglasses in this film oh my gosh was so good it makes me want to buy a pair even though i wear glasses and can't did you get that as prescription, do you think? Yeah, like, especially because, like, I'm an old person and I wear bifocals. So when you like... <laughs> but the Bermuda shorts, the layering, like, I would say more so than the fashion, though, the hair, like, the oh. amount of spikiness to the space buns and just the weird twists and headbands. Do you think, was switching goals before this or after this? I want to say this was first just because switching goals has like dates and this one doesn't yeah so it that the switching goals came out a year after this one but the styles are very similar the hair mm -hmm. the glasses i felt like the styles were pretty similar between switching goals and this one i also loved on the dad's girlfriend i loved her long printed skirts and i wrote out this phrase which to me seems like a like a poem or like a haiku faux mock neck short sleeve turtleneck in crushed velvet <laughs> that was i used to wear those when i was younger and I miss them. I would wear mm, most of the outfits from this. I would, but I, uh, 
I don't think that they would look good on me. Yeah, well, I say that as knowing, like, none of this fashion would probably look good on me, but that doesn't stop me in today's world from wearing anything. <laughs> I like that. As it shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, Ved, did you notice anything about the fashion or hair? Well, I did. From I the just... male gaze? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, sun, like the sunglasses, as you pointed out, was so on point. I remember those very well from that period. The really narrow, I don't even know if they were transition lenses, but they were very, you know, <laughs> those just lightly tinted, but in some weird hue that was just why the only thing that comes to mind. And I also found it interesting that uh, she owned a, a glasses store in the movie. So then oh, yeah. it was kind of like, hey, we have to just feature glasses as the third character. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're really the supporting character here. Right. And then Nigel was, you know, shopping for glasses when he was uh, talking to her. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all that was interesting. The only thing I'll notice is, like you were pointing out, the long skirts. And, you know, I'm trying to kind of go back in that period. Now, obviously, I was much younger back then. But I wonder, it's like, wow, is that really what, you know, I guess uh, 30 somethings, which I assume that's what they wore? Were they like 30 something, early 40s in this? I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's what they wore, huh? That's kind of, that was the go-to outfit. And then I was trying to envision myself going like on a date with a, you know, a woman who's wearing a skirt that goes from her neck to her ankles. <laughs> and I, was, and I was kind of like, which is fine. Obviously it's completely okay, but it was just like, a, it was uh yeah, interesting choices. I can't wait to surprise bed with some new outfits that I wear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Neck to ankle skirt. <laughs> right. Those were my favorites, yeah. And then just the, the men's suits. Sorry, Nigel's suits. You know, they kept commenting like, oh, this is an Armani suit or whatever. And then you oh, see yeah. those suits and you're like, man, that wasn't that long ago. But I wouldn't wear that. I mean, obviously, it reminded me of my high school prom. What like I would oh, wear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. The four bun suit bunned up. To, oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Ugh. My date wore a FUBU tux to prom. Oh, wow. Oh, Who was your date again? Uh, Cameron Greger. <laughs> Oh my gosh. A nice Jewish boy. I love that. Yeah. He was very proud of his FUBU text. That's so cute. Okay, so I'm going through my notes, trying to figure out what one means. Sure. Oh, okay. I found this one. So this is similar to the line you pointed to earlier, but I was like, had to rewrite it, reread it twice. What does dad near to cheer him up? Wop. Ain't that the truth. Yeah, that was the underlining of it. Yeah, let's just get directly to that. I have a question for both of you. Yes. Would you ever Would you ever allow your likeness to be put up on a billboard for you to get a date? Mm. I mean, in my 20s, sure, but I don't know about now. Okay. Like, I feel like it's a young person's game, the billboard game. Not for Sad Zaddy. Right. <laughs> The funny thing is I have nothing against, you know, going on dates and the whole any of that. But as far as I guess my likeness just kind of being advertised out there, I don't know why, but that I probably wouldn't be okay with that. I'm like a billboard, you know, we're just out there for anyone. So right. I think that kind of I don't know why that just doesn't sit well with me. But that said, I would like to get a bunch of fan mail. There people want <laughs> People want to go on dates with I would me. like that affirmation. I right. was going to say, there goes Ved's birthday present, but I guess it's back on so that I can get a bunch of fan mail. Exactly. Yeah. Can we just like write, write like a really nice paragraph about me on a billboard without my <laughs> likeness? 
highly complimentary. Right. So this reminds me of a great story that I have to tell you guys, which is that my brother in 1999 or maybe 98. So the same time as this movie. Yeah, exactly. Same time as this movie was named one of Cosmo's 50 hottest bachelors. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So he was chosen as the Massachusetts bachelor and he was like just starting his soccer career. So he was like 23 at the time, maybe 22 or 21. I forget. But he was young and he lived in this like basement apartment of like a home with like a rolled away bed. So he was like not living large. Like he was just, it was like a really shabby apartment lifestyle, but he was chosen as a bachelor. And then he got like five trash bags full of fan mail. And I came to visit him. He's basically Santa Claus. Literally. And I came to visit him and I was like 12 or 13 or so. And I helped him look through all the fan mail. And then there was some like really, really nice, like sweet, very like vulnerable letters. And I was like, you should answer these. And then there was just so many naked pictures, you guys, like so many (laughs) girls from all across the country just sent their news to my brother this was like back before cell phones yeah and like they had to go get those printed exactly but I guess that it was worth it but then I just remember asking him if he was gonna like reply to any of them and he was like hell no I was like, oh, great. Wasn't that the whole point of being in the magazine, though? I think so. But then he just, I don't know. Now, now hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, do you think that he like, <laughs> well, I don't know why we're all yes. laughing. Yeah, just hear me out. Do, yeah, obviously, you're his younger sister. So do you think he uh, told you that? And then as soon as you left his apartment, he was like frantically writing back these women. And just, <laughs> and just being like, yes, yes. I, at the time, just knowing that my brother was a professional athlete, I don't even know if he knew how to write at the time. A good point, yeah. <laughs> but I think you're going to need to ask him because I think you'll get the most honest response and uh, we'll need to get the follow-up on that next week. I Excellent. I will. I was just going to go very quickly back to the uh, bag full of fan mail that the character got oh, yeah. in the movie, you know? Well, uh-huh. one thing that I noticed that for some reason really uh, outraged me was when they showed the scene or montage again of him playing like a basketball with all the crumpled up letters from the fan mail, you know? And he was like, oh, if I make this, I'll go on a date with her. And he's just doing it. And then, you know, very quickly we see the pile is just huge. And part of me was like, you know, I was just, I was outraged. I was like, who are you to crumple up these letters? You know, these women wrote to you. And now like, you're just crumpling this up. I was like, you get out there and you go on every single date. With Hell women. yeah. <laughs> you know? Because it just seems so a softy. <laughs> it seemed very like arrogant, you know, like, oh, I just got this like three trash bag, you know, mail full of whatever. Uh, these women who want to go out with me. And now here I am, like sitting in my art studio in Venice and just, you know, playing mock basketball with this. So, yeah. That guy didn't know how good he had it. I think, you know, he is disgusting to me. So I can't imagine ever writing him fan mail. But <laughs> glad that all these women wrote to him and that he had such disrespect for them. That's my feminist boyfriend, everybody. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even know that was feminist. I just thought it was like a very rude. So now he's do. against it. He's like, oh, no. never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of like, who does that? Yeah, I think, yeah, he really just like blatantly just was like, no, I don't, I don't care about any of this. Like, if I happen to make this in, we'll do it, but whatever. Yeah. Zero interest. Right. So, one last note that I wanted to talk about, at least on my end, is just that I liked that going back to sort of the the dark edges of this movie. 
I loved that the the mascot for the school that they swam for were the squids. And so the thing that they kept saying and like the signs and everything kept saying squirtum squids. And I was like, this <laughs> is so weird because I mean, I went to a school where we were the um, anteaters, but I've never heard of a school that's the squids. Yeah. On, on that same note, I wrote a note where at one point the coach tells Emily, I need you. And I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's gross. I did want to, I I did think that this movie was going to be more about the dating portion, which I said. Um, So I am sad that they kind of sped through that in both factors. And also, like, it really didn't give the twins that much to do in the film. And I think that's why they had to balance it with the diving scenes. Right. But when I was watching it, I was thinking, like, if this movie was remade today, like, would it still be a billboard? Would it be like they put their dad on an app? I was thinking that same thing. Because I, I was thinking even when we talk about whether we would put our faces on a billboard, obviously that wouldn't really happen today because you just have, like, whatever, Bumble or Tinder or something, you know? So. And, like, would they, like, swipe for their dad? <laughs> right. And they And they would just, like, go right on everybody. I mean, that's basically what I used to try to do for you, Dina, when you mm. back in the day were on app. Yeah, and I'd have to like go in and be like, no, I will not swipe right on this person. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. Sorry. Yeah, I just, it. I think that's with a lot of movies, it's like the problems could have be, been solved with a cell phone. I feel okay. like this movie could have been solved with just a little bit of therapy on everybody's part, but that's a separate issue. They needed closure on the mom, I think, before they started to put their dad on a billboard. Yeah. But so one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our boy, Scott Weinberg, Nina, who wrote the previous scathing review of an Olsen Twins movie. Scotty. He's back. Scotty is back. Um, so I just wanted to read a little, a couple of excerpts and get your both of your reactions to yes. Scott Weinberg, a full grown man reviewing an Olsen Twins movie. So this is Billboard Dad, or Doe-Eyed Moppets Seek Sex Partner for Desperate Father. (laughs) And he said, I'm not exactly sure how to review a Mary-Kate and Ashley flick. Well, he does it twice. Exactly. I think more more than that, yeah. (laughs) These movies exist on a plane wholly separate from other films in that they're created solely to showcase the meager charms of the prepubescent pair of Doe-Eyed Twins. Yes, that cutie pie pair of toddlers from the biblically insipid full house sitcom have somehow turned themselves into a multi-million dollar cottage industry. Billboard Dad is so banal that it seems more like punishment than reward. The film is written with the depth of your average Hallmark card and directed with the panache of a drunken wedding videographer. The Olsen girls are all about wide-eyed reaction and sarcastic banter. And since it's clear that they have very little acting skill, I'll be curious to see where their careers end up. I'm guessing a lifetime of cable flicks in Hollywood squares. Snap, snap, Scott Weinberg, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm not a cruel guy. I'm sure that Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are sweet kids in person, but that doesn't mean that their movies are worth watching. And then he says, nine-year-olds may sit through it and have fun, but nine-year-olds would also eat french fries 23 hours a day if their parents didn't try to force them to try something more nutritious. Well... For someone who's not sure how to uh, review an Olsen twins movie, he sure does knock it out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Like, I will say, I I, I said this wasn't my favorite one, but I would like to report to or repeat to Scott Weinberg, this movie wasn't made for you. Yeah, not your wheelhouse, Scott. Yeah, like, 
I, I love that when people will talk about different things and it's like, you're not the audience, okay? Definitely not. Whitney and I were peak audience as children. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And like <laughs> the fact that he like went into like the quality of the movie and then like projects on these like two 11 year old girls what their future will be right. is hilarious. And even like using their like acting abilities and all that, it's just like, guy. Tone it down, you know, slow down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say there was a fake laughing scene in this movie that was truly terrible. I think when they like get on the punk guy or something and Troyan's in there too. And I was oh, like, yeah. wow, this is not showcasing your best. I know. I mean, listen, they 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 were great for what they were. It just wasn't necessarily like in the film industry in the end, you know? But I just want to like, I would love to sit down and have a meal with Scott and just like get his thoughts on anything. Like the passion he throws to this. It's like, what happened? I know. I know. Scott, what's the matter, buddy? Yeah. Like the fact that he's like, I'm going to put pen to paper and we're going to talk about this. I mean, it's fantastic. He's like, somebody has to take these twins down. It's going to be Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Old Scotty Weinberg. Yeah, I think I think that's all we have. We went through the the whole movie. Yep, we got through everything I wanted to get through. Vet, do you have anything else to add? I think that was pretty much it. Looking at my notes, that is all I have written down. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this movie and take notes with us, Vet. It was yeah, great. It was, it was so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. It was really, really fun. That's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, once again, you can find we don't have a show Instagram, but you can find us individually. I'm Dina.day. And I am Whitney R. Peterson. And you can find this movie on Hulu, Hulu Sponsor Us, anybody sponsor us. I really like the Billy Razor. Um, I'd be willing to go for like a HelloFresh ad. Really anybody. We'd be so good at it, you guys. You guys don't even know. Yeah. I mean, come on. But with that, bye. Bye. <laughs>